right. Um, this summer, I entered the Biggest Loser Contest, uh, KNWA Infused Family Fitness. Um, I've always, I've wanted to lose weight for a while. I really never lost the baby weight from after I had Kennedy. Uh, it was a goal of mine to lose the weight by the time I was 30, but uh, when I was 30, I never, I, I didn't even do it. Um, I just turned 31, and I decided it was time. Over the course of eight weeks, I lost uh, 21 pounds, um, and I believe I lost about six and three-quarters inches from, um, from my body, and I lost four pounds in the two weeks after. I gained two pounds on vacation. Um, I don't know where I'm at now, but um, I hopefully I've I've gotten back into my diet since I've been gone and exercise. Uh, so hopefully I've lost that again, but I can still fit into my clothes. So <laughs> I don't think I've gained too much. <laughs> it was very time-consuming for me. I was there at the gym about three hours a day, uh, seven days a week. So and at one point I had a journal that I did and. Uh, I went straight like 35 days exercising that that much a day. Pretty much became really uh, routine for me. I really wanted to do it. Once I get started doing something, I'm just that's all I want to do. I'm really uh, uh, I don't know determined, I guess. So the diet is probably the most important part for me. Um, the portion size is really the main thing. Uh, I'm eating the same things that I was before, cooking the same way, um, but I'm not drinking sweet tea anymore. I'm drinking only water. For me, I was I was one that would drink all my calories probably in a day, um, so which is bad. And I, I really do have a sweet tooth, so you know, cutting out sweets. Uh, I may have not done the competition, but I felt like I was doing the competition because when Jenna had the team events. Madison Kennedy and I would show up, and I was more, I wish I could have been, yeah, I was a cheerleader, but I wish I could have been in the competition, getting very nervous and yelling them and being the coach of what needed to be done. So it, was, it felt being, being there, we were in it um, as a support group, as well at home. You know, it didn't change too much. It just kind of facilitated already what Jenna was doing, just trying to eat healthier, um, and the girls and and I just helping to support her every step of the way. So awesome. it, was, it, was, it was exciting. If someone uh, wanted to lose weight, that they need to um, have the determination. I think I was at the point where I wasn't ready yet, uh, like a year ago when I made a goal for myself to try to lose the weight before my 30th birthday. I think I just reached the point where I, I was going to do it. I made up my mind that I was going to do it, and it took me a while. You have to know that you're going to do it, and you want to, and um, know that you have bad days, and don't let one meal, like, mess up your whole day. And uh, as far as exercising, it is important, too, but I think the diet is probably the most important if you are someone who, you know, gets comfort from eating, which I, I believe that I was, um, and reward yourself also with food. Now I'm starting to reward myself with clothes. <laughs> so, it, and that's more fun actually than food. So I think it's actually given me uh, more self-confidence. Um, at first, um, I think I still perceive myself as, as being bigger than I, still the same size. Um, but I think over the last few weeks that I've realized that, that 
I am smaller, and I do have more confidence now, um, I believe. And I, I think it has made me maybe a little bit more outgoing, uh, talking to people that I don't know. And I think it's made me outgoing and more outgoing in church. Um, we were new members right before I started the competition. So, um, you know, and, and also I've, I've had a lot of support from our body life group and other people that I know at church. And uh, just people telling you, you know, you look good. And that is really the most encouraging to me. Um, my sister called me last week just to tell me how good I looked and how she liked my new clothes and that I look like a totally different person. And that was really, that meant a lot to me. Appreciate Jana opening up because that is a very tough issue and very courageously stepping forward uh, to be able to offer herself up, to be able to be willing to uh, to expose herself. I think it's great. And so there's a lot. Of, the thing is, is that there's a lot of champions in our in our congregation, different levels and different walks of life in different places. And so it's just interesting to hear the stories. Take your Bible. Be finding the book of Joshua. I know we've been in Hebrews. We'll be kind of skipping through Hebrews really quickly. But these stories of victory are really awesome and in our congregation and then way beyond. And the Olympics is now over, and we've all probably got our favorite event. We've got our favorite athlete that we've enjoyed watching and all that kind of stuff. But I tell you, there's one that, that just blew me away, and that's the, uh, the, the sprinter from Jamaica. Uh, it, it was Usain Bolt or something like that. He's like a bolt of lightning. I mean, to watch him in the 200-meter uh, race was, was amazing. And to see how far he was ahead. Now, this is the Olympics, okay? You don't beat people by, by feet and yards. You beat people by inches and nose hairs. That's about it. But now, this is, this is something. This guy literally beat them to a pulp. He, was in, he just rose above the rest. That is an inspiring story. I wish I knew more about it. We kind of gravitate towards those that have exciting, inspiring stories about us, and especially when they can come from so, uh, such, uh, I guess, negative odds, odds that maybe kind of have to, have to fight and go and swim upstream. That is really inspiring for me. And so, I mean, whether it's losing weight and the odds of that or, or maybe becoming... Uh, a top executive in a company without even a college education or, or, or anything that, that, that might, we might be able to overcome in our life and, and just to be able to look back and say, man, I couldn't do this without God. I couldn't do this without support around me. I couldn't do this without and just to see how it all comes together. But if you think about the Bible, the Bible is full of many champions. And we've been looking at the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, kind of the hall of faith, where those champions kind of are, 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 are resting in, the, in, in, in this kind of uh, corridors of, of Scripture, of all of the success and, of their faith and their life. It's just, it's just amazing. But you think about how courage fits into the picture. Courage is, is a very big part of a champion's life. To be able to say, I'm going to step onto television and watch, let the world watch me lose weight. That takes courage. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, expose myself. That is, that takes courage. To be able to step out when nobody else is stepping out takes courage. If you think about some of the greatest people, again, in Scripture, were the people who would step out courageously when nobody else would step out. Whenever all the twelve disciples were in the boat and Jesus was walking on the water, how many people stepped out? One. The others stayed in the boat. Now, we always give the others a hard, we always give Peter a hard time for sinking, but at least Peter got out of the boat. All right? You've got to think about it like that as well. 
And so if you think about, you know, the one, getting out of the boat, it's easy to follow people. It's always hard to be the first one out of the boat. And you also think about when Elijah was dealing with the prophets of Baal, and there were hundreds of prophets of Baal. And how many prophets were able to call down fire? Just one, Elijah. It just takes one sometimes. One courageous individual who will step out, who will set the pace, who will make a difference. Whenever you think about Jesus feeding 5,000, how many of of, of the 5,000, now how many people surrounding the area were willing to give up their lunch so that everybody could be fed? Just one. One little boy was willing to give up his five loaves and two fish, and he was willing to give it up, and all of a sudden, what does God do? He takes it and blesses everybody. But it takes courage. And sometimes it's only one person who can start something. It's one person who can be used of God and affect many other people's lives. Another person you think of in Scripture is a person that we're going to focus on today. A lady named Rahab. Now, I have had struggles all week long with calling her Rachel in my mind. So if I say Rachel, forget it. It's Rahab. Just like last week, I messed up with Miriam. All right? And so uh, anyway, never mind about that. All right? That's a Bella Vista moment or whatever you want to call it. It's, uh, it's, uh, we're close enough to Bella Vista. I, say, I guess I can do that. Uh, and I'm, I'm saying it's in the water. It's no, nothing to do with anything else. All right? So here it is. Uh, you, got, you got Rahab. But there's, there's an amazing person because she's one out of all of the city of Jericho. She's the one. Again, Peter was the one. Elijah was the one. The little boy was the one. Rahab was the one who was willing to hold the spies, help the spies, enable Israel to come in and to claim the promised land. If it hadn't been for Rahab, what would have happened? If you think about that story, in, how many of you all know the story of Rahab? Raise your hand. You've heard it before? Okay. Most of y'all have heard the story before. It's an amazing story when you think about her because she's probably the most unlikely person. Her gender. She was a woman in a male-dominated world. Put her on the outs of ever being able to be a real leader and a real person of impact. The the lady's occupation was another hindrance. If you heard the story, you know she was a woman of the night. She was a harlot, the Bible calls her, or a prostitute. She made her money in life by giving away her body to deprived men. That's how, that's how bad it was. So she was, she was of the wrong gender. She was uh, of also of the wrong occupation. She was also of the wrong ethnicity. She was an Ammonite. That was not a, a positive. She, that was a, as a part of a Canaanite clan. She was, a, she was a part of a group of people that was not accepted among the Hebrews. So she was an outcast from the very beginning. But there was something about all of these odds stacked against her. She had the courage to step forward and to do what nobody else was willing to do. This is what you've got to get down today. Courage is faith at work. Understanding that our courage, when we're living out courage, when we're operating in courage, when we're going to be the one who steps out when nobody's stepping out, when we're going to be the one who will risk our life limb or whatever when nobody else is, then there's something big to say about that. Why is it that somebody would do that? They are doing it because they have faith in something, and that faith is so great and so overwhelming, it's causing them to move on that faith. In fact, I'll say this. Faith is not something that you have. Faith is something that you do. All right. Now, I realize that faith is something you have, but it doesn't end there. There's a lot of people that have faith in things, faith in this, faith in that, but their faith doesn't really stir them to do. Well, the Bible says faith without works is dead. So 
faith is not just something that you have. It's something that you do in your life. I want, back, I want us to say this statement together out loud. Pop it back up on the screen, guys, if you don't mind. Faith isn't something you have. Say it with me. Faith isn't something you have. Faith is something you do. You don't have to read the parent D, F, 6 part, okay? Uh, but as you think about faith and you think about your life, how active is your faith? If you say you have it, then it needs to be active. It needs to be busy. And busy faith is courageous faith because faith, when it's being acted on, is courageous. Why do I say that? Because it doesn't always have all the facts. It doesn't always have all the answers. Let me tell you this story about Rahab real quickly. Catch everybody up on the same page. All right, the people of Israel are in a little town called Shittim, okay? And in this little town, they're on the, on the east side of the Jordan River, and Jericho's on the west side of the Jordan River, and they're looking across, and they're analyzing, this is where God wants us to go and to live. We need to send some spies into this country. They send two spies into the country. They go in. They go into Jericho. Jericho is the first stronghold. If they can get Jericho, it can be like a domino effect, and it can just continue to go on from there. So Jericho, first battle, cross the Jordan River, absolute must, got to do it, got to do it right. All right, get the first win under your belt. So they're going to go in, but they send these two spies in. When they go in, these two spies go to the innkeeper. Josephus considered Rahab an innkeeper, which in that day and age, which even the NIV Bible calls her an innkeeper. In that day and age, if you were an innkeeper, it meant you also were probably a prostitute. So here it is. These two spies go in, and they go to the local Holiday Inn, all right? And the Holiday Inn is Rahab's Inn. And so they go there, they stay there. Now, I don't believe in any way they were involved in that activity. I'm sure it was an optional thing. And so they, they, they go in there and they stay there and she becomes the host. Well, the word quickly reaches into the, into the community because in that day and age, uh, it was more of a city-state kind of situation where they were uh, living in where each, each city was, had its own king, its own governing body and, and so forth. And so they go in and the king finds out in Jericho that there are two spies from Israel. Well, immediately Rahab conjures up a plan, and she hides them on the roof underneath a bunch of grass. She hides them on the roof underneath the grass, and she then tells the king, no, they're gone. They were here. They went out. If you'll send your men out, you'll find them. So she pretty much lies, okay? There's no way you can say it any other way. She lies. She sends them on a goose chase. They're not there because they're hiding on the roof. So she goes up, uncovers them, says, hey, you know what? You need to tell me more about what's going on because I'm believing what's going on in your, in, in your clan. I'm believing what's happening in the Hebrews is not just, a, you know, happenstance and just a good thing. It is God, okay? God is doing something. We've heard the stories. We've heard what's happened beyond, on the other side of the river. We've heard how you've gone in and just wiped uh, the slate clean. We've heard how when you went to the... Uh, the to the, to the Egypt, uh, uh, excuse me, when you were escaping Egypt and you went to the Red Sea, how the, river, how the waters departed. We've heard, we've heard. The news has preceded you. And I want to be with you. So, I will help you escape if you will help me. But it wasn't just, and then I get this very, very important. It wasn't that she was just trying to save her own neck. She actually wanted to have a relationship with God. Because she knew what this nation, this Hebrew nation that was once captive in Egypt, if they were able to get free from the Egyptian bondage, then they must be blessed by God. This must be the real stuff here. 
All right? So I want to go with the real stuff. I'm tired of the stuff that I've been living. Now, please, please, step into her life. This lady has been living not the most reputable lifestyle. She's got to have a sense of emptiness, of use and abuse going on inside of her. She is looking and straining for hope. And she sees in the eyes of these Hebrew men hope that God is with you, your people and I want to be with your people. Even though I'm of the wrong gender, even though I'm of the wrong occupation, even though I'm of the wrong ethnicity, I want to be with your people. So she immediately connives a plan. I'm going to let you down by this red rope. Interesting thing, typology there that we won't have time to go into. But the scarlet rope ends up helping them down outside the window. They go away. What the deal is, is made, is that when you come to conquer this city, you won't hurt me. So the deal is made. You tie this red scarlet rope outside your window, and we will know that everybody inside of your room, everybody inside of your apartment, everybody inside of your place of living is your family, and they are safe, or the blood will be on our head. You have helped us. We have helped you. We will help you. This story doesn't, to me, I'll be honest with you, it doesn't impress me that much. You know, I can think of a whole lot of other stories in the Old Testament that kind of blow me away, that, that really I still don't have answers for. This one is one of those that doesn't, but evidently it is so powerful. And I can remember the first time I really shared a message from this, I thought, I've got to get in there and understand this, because this is important, because it even appears in, in the Hall of Faith. If you uh, have your Bibles, or just appear on, the words will appear on the screen, this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. It says, By faith the, uh, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled seven days. By faith Rahab, there she is mentioned, by Rahab the harlot, who did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. Now, I, I want to say this real quickly about, about faith and courage. I want you to jot down three words that I think describe Rahab. Because you're not going to see Rahab very much in the Bible. But you will see a life change in her. Interesting thing in her, in her life change story, and I've just got to share this because it's so profound. She went from this occupation that we won't talk about anymore to being a person of faith to a changed life. To raising a son named Boaz who married uh, uh, um, Ruth who was the great, great grandmother to King David who later, from his lineage, was a little boy named Jesus born in a manger. You can read the whole story in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. That is an amazing thing. Here's a person whose life is changed and her legacy changes as well. And it all happened when she began to live a life with courageous faith. Her family history was rewritten. Her children could have been in the same business she was in. But because she chose a way of faith, Boaz, Ruth, David, all the way down to the lineage of Jesus. What an amazing story. And so I, you can walk in here today and you can real quickly say, you know what, I don't, I don't deserve to walk with God. I don't deserve, you know, I don't deserve, I don't deserve, and you don't, and I don't either. But I'm not 
here today because I deserve to be here. I don't have a relationship with God because I deserve a relationship with God. I have one because He somehow forgave me. And by faith, in courageous faith, I have to walk in that. Three things about courageous faith you need to mark down about Ruth. One is the alignment issue. She aligns herself clearly and without equivocation with the people of Israel, with God's people, with Yahweh, God. Palestine, again, was divided into independent states and and the Code of Hammurabi, which was the law of that day, said basically if you commit treason on your, com- uh, on your country where you live, you die. Real simple. A real simple process. It was punishable by death if you commit treason. What does she do? She changes her alliance. She goes from being a card-carrying, tax-paying citizen of Jericho. She trades it all in and says, I'm going to become a follower of Yahweh, a follower of the Hebrew God. I am going to change my alliance. Right out next to that word uh, 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 alignment, put the word allegiance. She changes her allegiance. Because this is very important to understand how she begins to hide these people. She is choosing then to follow the God of, of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, verse 2 and 4, it says it like this. And 2 through 4 says, it was, uh, it was told that the king of Jericho saying, Behold, men, this is in Joshua chapter 2, uh, the, the men from the, son of, the sons of Israel come here tonight to search out the land. The king of Jericho sent word to Rahab saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, that they have come to search out our land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were were from. It came about, and I go down to verse 6. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax, uh, which she had laid in, uh, in order on the roof. So basically at this point, she's choosing sides. One thing I want you to understand about courageous faith is you have to choose who you're going to be, whose side you're going to be on. Whose alliance are you in? Where is your allegiance? Where are you willing? This is punishable by death. But she said, I am willing to risk that because I believe this is greater over here. That's courageous faith. Martin Luther King said it like this. Martin Luther King Jr. said it like this. He says, if a man hasn't discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. Courageous faith is something that is willing to stick its neck out there and say, I believe in this. I will align myself with this. I will, be, I will give allegiance to this. This is now who I am following. Faith that wavers at Walmart and wavers in the school, faith that wavers in the neighborhood from where it is right here in this building, that's not real faith. Real faith is when I get up every morning and I say, hell or high water, life or death, I don't care. I am willing to follow Jesus to the death. And when Rahab crossed that line, she then betrayed her country, her nation, her people, Jericho. But it was greater for her to follow after God than to follow after some false way of life that's led her to where she is today. So this is the big change that's going on in her life. There's so many other stories I don't have time to, to tell you about that just I just want to challenge you with this. What is your faith costing you? Faith will cost you courage. You will have to align yourself. And it may cost you friends at times. It may cost you a deal at times. 
What, where are you aligning? Where are you sizing up? Where, what are you going? Who is your king? All right, here's the second thing about her faith. Is there's an element of anticipation. Now, she sits here and signs on and goes with, uh, with the people of Israel uh, and, and, and leaves her people. But she does this with anticipation. Now, here's the question. What are you anticipating God to do? In your life, what are you anticipating God to do? Who is your king is the first question you've got to ask yourself. The second question is, what are you anticipating God to do? Because real courageous faith is at the point of where their, their toes are on the line and they, if they don't make it, if God doesn't show up, they may not make it. It really comes down to this whole anticipation of, God, you've got to be there. You've got to show up. You've got to help me. Now, you've got to remember what's going on in the people because the, uh, the people of Jericho have heard the stories. Their story of success in conquering lands and freedom and what God has done for them has preceded them. So what, what's going on in Jericho's walls? The people are scared to death. In fact, the Bible says that their hearts are melting. Look with me at verse 11 of, of, Jer- uh, of Jericho, of Joshua chapter, uh, chapter 11. He says, when, when, he, when we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. But that was not true of Rahab. When everybody else's hearts were melting because of Israel breathing down their back, because of God giving their land over to the people of Israel, Rahab's heart was dancing. Because if you go right on in that very next verse, or in that same verse, you see a change. For the Lord your God, He is the God in heaven above all. Uh, above and on the earth beneath. What she is saying, she said, listen, every part of your God is the God that I want. And I'm anticipating Him to be my salvation. This is really her point of, I I believe, conversion, if you want to call it that. And when she is really anticipating that, hey, listen, I realize that I'm of a a group of people that's melting away and they're not going to make it. I want to be a part of the winning team. I'm anticipating your God being the God who will see me through. Philip Brooks says it like this. He said, do not pray for easy lives. Pray for stronger people. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your task. And the doing of your work shall, shall be no miracle, but you shall be a miracle. Every day you shall wonder at yourself at the richness of life which has come to you by the grace of God. You know, God wants to do a great thing inside of us, just like he does inside of Rahab. Her heart was melting, but she found new hope in in, in God. But she had to align herself first with God. She had to get into that, that mode of anticipation. And what happens is so many times the circumstances around us, listen, circumstances around us, so many times dictate our faith to where our faith is not so much in God, but our faith is in our circumstances. If things are looking good and easy and cool and no way, no, I, can, I can climb to the top, we have big faith. But when, faith, when, when our circumstances are hard and, and difficult as it was for the people of Jericho, we begin to melt and there's no courage left. Real courageous faith is that that anticipates despite our circumstances. Here's a life principle. Jot it down. 
God gives us opportunities to exercise courage in our life when our circumstances rob us of it. You will face circumstances in your life that will tell you, you can't, you can't, you can't. But whenever you have this awesome relationship, your heart will be melting away as, as the Jericho people were, were was, was doing. Listen, God wants to put you in those circumstances and your faith will grow. It's kind of like this. I say this to people. Some of them come to me and say, you know, I want patience. What do you do? You pray for patience. Well, what does God do? He puts you in, in circumstances that cause you to be patient. All right? You, or you say, you know, I need to love people more. Well, you know what God's going to do? He's going to give you people that you hate. He's going to put them in your life. He may even marry you to one of them. Uh, he may even give you children of one. And, but you know what? You're going to get to learn to love that person. You know what? I want to be courageous, God, like, like a Joshua or like a Rahab. Guess what? He's going to put you in circumstances. It's going to be tough. It's going to want to rob you of your, your joy and, 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 and strength in, in Christ and God. And it, everybody's wilting away here. But I'm believing. I'm believing that God that I'm now worshiping, that I'm now serving. Your God, I'm now going with you, guys. This is the way. It happens first when you align yourself with God. Is it clear in your life that your allegiance is with God Almighty? Or is your allegiance split between work, home, faith? It should be first with faith and everything else falls in line. Faith in God. Faith in God through Jesus Christ. Do you have that kind of faith? Then the next thing is, what are you in your life doing right now that is, brings you to a point of anticipation? God, I'm believing you for this. I'm trusting you for this. I can tell you right now, 40 years old, I am not wanting to coast. I am not wanting to coast. I am, in, I am wanting to be on that threshold again of anticipation of God doing something beyond my circumstances. Where my circumstances say no, I want him to say yes, and I want to go with him. There's something about it. It's adrenaline junkie maybe. I don't know. There's just an anticipation about God doing something way beyond me. What are you doing right now in your life that you're anticipating God for? Here's the third, here's the third thing that I want you to take home from. The, oh, here, I've got to give you this quote because it's awesome. Fresh Faith. Read the book. Jim Simbola. All of book, Simbola's books. Fresh Faith. Fresh Power. Uh, fresh Wind. Fresh Fresh fire, all great books. Fresh faith says it like this. When you walk by faith, God never lets you settle into some plateau. I like this statement. If it's getting easy for you, ask God to ramp it up a little bit. Ask God to test your faith a little bit more. Where is your faith with God? Is it growing? Rahab's was. All right. She, she aligned herself first. She, she made her allegiance first. I'm, I'm, I'm allegiant, my allegiance is with you, God, and the people of Israel. Okay, God, and, and I'm, I'm anticipating that when everybody else's courage is waning and fading and their hearts are melting, I'm going with you, God. All right, I'm not stopping. Here's the third thing. Is there's an assurance that comes with courageous faith. Call it craziness sometimes. Call it, I don't have all the answers. But there's an assurance that you just know that this is the path, that this is the right thing to do and to be about. 
So she enters into this alliance, and I've got to read these verses to you because you've got to kind of get the flavor. Uh, uh, she's sitting here and had this discussion with these guys, and before she sends them out, in verse 12 it says this. It says, Now therefore, since I've talked about my faith, let's talk about an, uh, an agreement here, okay? I'm siding up with your God. I'm going with you. I've already divorced myself of my own country. I'm going with your God. Now, therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly, you might underscore the word kindly with you, that you will deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth. And spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sister. And on and on and on. Verse 14. So the men said to her, our life is yours. If you do not tell this business of ours, it shall come about that the Lord gives us the land that we will do kindly and faithfully with you. You know, whenever you shake a man's hand, especially in a day gone by, I guess. That was almost their bond. Now you have to employ an attorney, and they get their attorney, and you sign papers. But whatever you want to call it, a shaking of the hand or a signing of a contract, there's something that you enter into there that there's an element of trust. Well, what, what they did is they entered into what's called a covenant relationship right there. And the word kindly, I had you underscore it twice, is the Hebrew word hesed. And it means a, a loving, binding agreement. Not a contractual agreement where, you know, if you don't do what I say, here are the repercussions and you're going to pay my fees and we're going to fight it out in court. That's more of a contract. This is a covenant. A covenant is based on love. Would you deal in a love relationship with me just as I've dealt in a love relationship with you? Would you give me your word as I will give you my word? And all it is at that point, again, is faith. That's all you can base it on. When I married Lori, I didn't make a contract with her. I made a covenant with her. And we entered into a love relationship agreement with each other. Not a contractual agreement. The point is this, is that what she is looking for is exactly what God has done in what we call the Old and the New Testament. Because the Old Testament is actually the Old Covenant, and the New Testament is actually the New T- Covenant, which is that whole Hesed word implied, a love relationship. So I enter into this relationship with God, you enter into this relationship with God, and I simply have an assurance that you're going to keep your word. Well, you know what? Here's, here's, here's the point of application. When God calls you to do something, as he was calling Rahab out. As God called Rahab out, through the people of Israel, they were entering into this love relationship that was binding. And it was a sweet love relationship. And we're going to do for you what you did for us in love and kindness. And we're going to see each other through. And this is good. That gives you the assurance. Here's a verse for you. We haven't run it a whole lot, but it all ties into faith. It's the most clear definition of faith throughout all of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the assurance, there's that word, of things hoped for. You know what? When I enter into a relationship with God, I'm not thinking maybe God will fulfill, maybe God will do it. I'm believing. 
I have an assurance inside of me that he's going to do it. He's good for it because of who I have a contract with. It's like this. Here's a perfect example. If you receive in the mail today, well, not today or Monday or Tuesday, Labor Day, okay, you receive in the mail a check from the Walton Foundation for $1 million to do with in any charitable way you would want to use that money for, it is yours. Now, don't anticipate it, but if it does, all right, you would immediately know that you had $1 million. You wouldn't think twice about it, all right? You would know that that check is good because of the name at the bottom of the check. You know they're good for a $1 million and more. But if your Uncle Larry, uh, who can't keep a job and uh, writes you a check for a $1 million, you're not going to run to the bank to cash that check. In fact, you're going to call him and say, what are you doing? Are you not? You're going to bounce this check. All right? The point is this, is that the assurance is only as good as the insurer. You know what? My faith, when I walk with God, is based upon God, not me. And when I can go with it, so, so, so when I hear God's voice calling me to do something, and I go with it, it's a sure thing. It's a sure thing. Andy Stanley said it in his book like this in Visioneering. He said, faith is confidence in that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he has promised to do. Faith is not a power or force. It is not a vehicle by which you can coerce God into something against his will. It is simply an expression of confidence in the person and the character of God. Your faith says more about your belief in God than it does about God. Do you have, have you made the alliance with God? Are you in alignment with God? Are you anticipating Him in your life? He is working. He's calling. He's moving. He's challenging you. He's, he's putting you in circumstances that call for courage. And then are you going with Him? You know, without faith, and we kind of wrap it up here right now. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, your prayers aren't going to be answered. The Bible makes that clear in Matthew 21, 22. Without faith, you're not going to rise above the crowd. You're just going to fit in and blend in. Without faith, it's the difference of heaven and hell. Can't get away from it. The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. It's the difference of heaven and hell. I don't know where you are in your whole walk of faith as we finish this series of messages. But I want you, Katie, if you'll go ahead and come on up here, I want you to be thinking about your faith in light of these spiritual giants that we've talked about. Listen to the words of this song, of this song, and just let your heart and your faith grow. Father God, we bow before you. And without faith, it is absolutely impossible to find pleasure with you. But as we think about the men and women of faith who have gone before us, we think about the Rahabs who have obviously lived a life that is far less than desirable. Lord, may we gain courage in our own faith to align ourselves with you even if it costs us our life to anticipate things from you, Lord, when everybody else's courage is fading. May ours be growing. 
Lord, do a great work in us as we have assurance in you. For our faith is is built upon you. In Jesus' name I pray.